Brian, ever tell you I love your name? Well, how are you? I do love junior high. Junior high. You you know you're beautiful, different people. Look at you. You're beautiful. I love it. Junior high for me. I remember I was thinking about what was junior high like, and I thought junior high. There was some. I had some. It was cool because I had some new experiences. I got to do some things, a little more freedom in life. Mom and dad not as in control of my calendar, and and. I got to experience some new stuff. I'm trying to figure out where to put my arts and crafts. Here we go. And uh, I had a couple new experiences, and two of them impacted my life greatly. One of them, probably the most, it still impacts my life today, and was a new thing for me in junior high, a little bit into my seventh grade year, and it changed my social life, my world a lot. And it's, it's deodorant. And I, I discovered it. It was awesome. The other thing, though, in junior high was I rode a horse for the very first time. Anybody here an equestrian horse riding person? Yeah? So my first time was in junior high. And I remember they put me on this horse, and I think they, on purpose, they picked the wildest horse there because it wasn't long into being on this horse that I fell off. And my foot was stuck in the stirrup. And this horse was dragging me and dragging me and dragging me. Until my mom went to Walmart and got the manager to unplug it. And then, and then it stopped. And I was safe. <laughs> I was, all right. I just want to warn you, my jokes don't get any better. So if you didn't like that one, you're not going to like any of them. All right. So this weekend, we're going to have a little competition. Anybody like competitions? Okay. So this competition starts tomorrow at breakfast, then again at lunch, then again at dinner, and it ends Sunday morning breakfast will be your last chance. So during mealtime up there, come to myself or Byron, and uh, this is the competition. Is our, our, our theme verse, John 3.16, for the weekend, right? So you can be by yourself, you can have one other person, two other person, three other people, or your whole cabin. Whoever, whatever group comes up and portrays that verse in the most creative way throughout the weekend to us at mealtime will win. Right? So it could be song, it could be dance, it could be art, you can draw something, it could be a skit, drama, okay? Begin however you want. And at the end of the weekend, the winner, whoever's most creative, they're going to win. We haven't decided yet. You're going to win either some Heartland swag, like a t-shirt or a water bottle or something, or a brand new car. We don't know yet. We're thinking about it, praying about it. It's going to be one of those two things, so we'll see, all right? All right, but I also want to challenge you personally this weekend. I want to challenge you uh, this weekend that some of the stuff I'm talking about uh, may, might be all new to you. Maybe some of you are up here, you're like, hey, I've never gone to church. I don't own a Bible. My, my grandma or my friend, someone invited me, paid for me to come up here, and I, I don't know anything about God. I don't know anything about Jesus. This is all new to me. Or maybe you've, you've grown up in church, you've got a Christian family, but there still might be some things this weekend that I'm talking about that maybe you don't understand. So here's a challenge to you. If you hear a person, a name from the Bible that I mentioned, you go, who is that? I really want to know. Or, or an event or something I refer, write it down. You got your handy-dandy notes, right? Write that down. And then sometime this weekend in your small group time afterwards, ask your counselor, your youth pastor, um, ask me when I'm walking 
write it down. So today our, our focus is somewhere that I feel many times that either we don't think about or maybe we've never really acknowledged it. Maybe it's this is something that is a thought that is actually totally new to you. And that's Jesus in the Old Testament. And in the Bible, we've got the Old Testament and we've got the New Testament. And the Old Testament basically is from the creation when God created us all the way to about 400 years before we, we hear about Jesus coming. And the New Testament is the, the birth, the, the life, and the death of Jesus, and then his resurrection, and then all about the, the early church. And so the, it's the Old Testament and the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, a lot of people we don't think about Jesus. But we're going to look at Jesus in the Old Testament tonight. Because um, then tomorrow morning we're going to look at Jesus in the New Testament. And tomorrow night we're going to focus on his death, burial, resurrection. And then Sunday morning, we're going to look at how to change my vision. How do I see things in my life the way that God looks at them? And how do I live that way? Uh, and so we're going to talk about that on Sunday morning. But everything we talk about this weekend, we're going to be focusing on Jesus. He's the focus. Jesus is God. He's our Savior. Uh, he mediates between us and God on our behalf. Jesus is our King. He's our authority. Bible tells us that he's the cornerstone, the stone that the foundation is built on. God's building his church. He's the head of our church. Jesus should be our focus so much that our lives are Jesus-like. In fact, the biggest compliment I could ever get from anybody, and I don't want to brag, but I get a lot of compliments. Like people come up to me like, Brian, you're 46, but man, you look 19, buddy. Look at you, right? Or a lot of people come up to me all the time. They're like, man, I am so jealous. I love your hair. And I'm like, I know. But this is one thing, and not because of the deodorant thing I said earlier, but people are always coming up to me and complimenting me, and they're like, on the way that I smell. This, this is off the charts compliment when this happens. They're like, you smell like bacon. I love that. That's like, doesn't get any better. But even better than that, the best compliment I could ever receive is when somebody comes up to me and says, I see Jesus in you. I see Jesus in you. And not, it, it's meaningful anytime. But it's more meaningful when they don't say it when, when I'm doing things like preaching God's word. But when they just see me living ordinary life, they see how maybe I'm parenting or how I'm interacting or with people or, or just quietly serving the Lord. What it, that, that's when it means the most. When people just come up in my ordinary, regular day life and say, and that's how much we want to focus on Jesus in our lives, is that our life is Jesus' life. People see Jesus in us. So let me ask you, answer this to yourself right now, but are you in a place right now where Jesus is your first love? Where there's nothing else that you love more than Jesus? Not, not like Minecraft, Fortnite, Star Wars, sports, friends, yourself, your parents, family, and yes, this is going to be a theme of my life, even bacon, I just, because I love, I just love, I love it. But are you in a place where nothing competes, where Jesus is your first love? If the, the, the true answer of your heart, and this is what I mean by the true answer of your heart, the true answer of your heart is not the answer that you might give, because that's what you think, maybe your youth leader, youth pastor, The true answer of your heart is the answer that you know and that God knows is true. Because God knows you. 
better than you know yourself and you know your heart. That's the true answer of your heart. So if that's the true answer of your heart, yes, I love Jesus more than anything, then I say, great. Woo! That's awesome. Let's, let's, let's see what God does to develop that love even more. Than that. But the, F, the answer is no. That true answer in your heart is no. Then I would ask that this weekend that you would be willing to open your heart, that you would have a soft, tender heart God is going to be saying to you what he's how he's going to be working in your life and you would have open eyes to, to what's going on around you that what God is doing and just see what he does and see if that answer changes in the next day or so because I want to tell you this there is not a being that exists that loves focus us a little bit this night. Let me just, just take a second to pray. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord God, you are a great and mighty God, a name above all names. And as we look into your word tonight and we share about you, that Lord, we pray that you would receive it as a sweet offering, uh, that we are bringing glory to your name. That tonight's not about ourselves, but it's about you and what you're doing. We love you, God. We trust you. Work in our hearts that not one of us So I'm going to need a, a couple volunteers to start. I need three girls. Any three girls? Okay, there's two, three. Okay, coming up here. Well, 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 you know what, girls? We're going to put you over here. Go come over here up on stage. I need three boys. One, two, and three. Right there. Come on. Come up, boys, on this side of the stage. Okay. All right, girls, you can hear me from there, right? Boys, I'm going to speak slowly so you can understand, okay? All right. Come on over here on stage. Is everybody right here in this little spot? There you go. All right, nope, too far. A little bit that way. Nope, too far. A little bit back. Right there. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Is this my water? All right. Here we're going to do. I'm going to give the girls a mosaic to do. You guys know what a mosaic is? Okay, so a mosaic, if you don't know what it is, it's like maybe a bunch of colored tiles of things, and people just arrange them to look like something. It could look random, but the colors are all pretty, or it's a design. You know what I'm talking about? tabletops and they glue them together. So I've got all these foam shapes, okay? And right here on the floor, you're just going to make a mosaic out of them. You'll have 30 seconds, okay? All right. You don't have to use all the pieces, but use what you can. Wait till I say, you can start now. Start now. We'll give you a head start. Boys, I've got this super complicated puzzle. Oh, wait a second. You know what? Stop, girls. Stop. Switch. Boys, I want you to do the mosaic first. Ha, <laughs> ha. Oh, trust me on this one. Boys, get over here. Yep, deodorant, deodorant. Nope, okay. Good. Honesty, love it. All right. So the girls are going to start with this puzzle. Super hard puzzle, okay? Here are the puzzle pieces. I'm going to get you started by just dumping the pieces out. Boys, you can start a mosaic. Okay, girls, hold on. We can start. You have about 30 seconds. When I say go, and when I when I say go, they're going to start. Make sure the pieces are close together so it looks like something, okay? All right. So then I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself. I want you to get to know me a little bit, right? Ready? Go. Okay, so my name is Brian Griffin. I'm the associate pastor of First Baptist Kingsburg in Kingsburg, California. been married to my wife, Jill, for 18 years. We have three kids. I have my daughter, Evie, who's about to turn 13 in a few weeks. And she's in junior high. we got twin boys, uh, Nikki and James. They're about to turn 10. 
And we got a dog named Rosie who's a Chawini that thinks he's a German Shepherd. Stop. Stop. Let's see what you got. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Cool. That's cool. Looks. All right. So here's the here's the puzzle. Now let's see the mosaic. We're gonna take a quick picture of it. Oops, let's put that piece back. Sorry. Kill this. Don't no. Don't touch it. No. No. Leave it there. Okay. All right. There's the mosaic. Let's take a picture of it so you can all see. Here's the puzzle. All right. Ryan's gonna go back. And we're gonna put it on the screen. Boys and girls, why don't you swap places? No, no, don't touch it yet. Oh. Girls, you can start on your, you can start. No, 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 stop, stop, stop. All right, is that there? Okay, girls, I want you, you're going to need to do your mosaic. You're going to you, you use the pieces they use too, okay? Use their pieces, include their pieces in your mosaic. Sound good? Boys, here's the rule of the puzzle. You've got to put the puzzle together, but you can't put any of the pieces back in the same place the girls have them. Okay? And I want it done right. Quality work. Here we go. Okay, so I want to know a little bit about you. I'm going to ask you a question. Tell me, what's your favorite color? Purple. Okay, what's your favorite food? Ramen? Yeah, with bacon. All right. Anybody here like sports? Favorite sport? Shout it out. It's favorite sport. Football. Who's your favorite football team? Kansas. Raiders. All right. All right, good. All right, stop. Okay. All right, let's see the first picture. First picture. Stop, stop. There's the puzzle. Okay. There's the mosaic. That's the girls' puzzle. Let's see the boys' mosaic. Any second now. There it is. Boys' mosaic. You guys, you guys see the robot? All right, so here's the boys' puzzle. Now, there's their mosaic. Take a picture of theirs. And we're going to move on. Now, I'll let me point this out. They got this all wrong. They're confused. I don't see, I mean, you've got like a, you got a, uh, you got like a, a cat turtle, a turtle, and you got a, you got a, a, a hog because it's a horse dog, and you got a, a borse. Okay, wow, you know all these things. And what's this? That's a, that's a funny. It's a fish bunny. Funny. See, I'm catching on. All right. So you put a, it doesn't make sense. doesn't make sense at all. Well, yeah, to a junior high boy. All right, have a seat. Have a seat. Thank you. Give them a round of applause. And do we have the girls' mosaic? There's the boys. Do we have the girls? Come on. Girls, you can have a seat. Let's give them a round of applause. Okay, so I'm going to tell you. Before we get that up there. See, here's the thing about a mosaic. A mosaic is assemble it back into many pieces. Okay? So somebody can make a mosaic like the boys did with all these pieces. And then somebody else can come along like the girl. They can use those same pieces. They can assemble it back together. And it's artistic. And, and it makes sense. And it looks good. And the reason is, is because when they are creating it, they're bringing meaning to it. They're bringing an interpretation to it. 
Okay, they're they're bringing that themselves. But a puzzle is a picture. It's a, it's a picture, and it's made up of all these pieces, and it's a picture, and it needs to be put together a, a certain way. And a puzzle has meaning in it already. A photograph it means some, it says something, right? So there's their puzzle, and the, boy were they wrong, right? They were wrong. And here's here's the girl's mosaic. Then see, it's beautiful. But they use the same pieces the boys use. But here's what I'm saying. Here's my point. My point is, is the Bible, God's Word, is not a mosaic. Okay? We don't come along and we pick the pieces we want and we say to ourselves, what does this mean to me? What does this mean to me? To me, this means, okay? God's Word is a picture and it's a puzzle and we don't want any pieces missing. We want to look at it in its entirety. Because here's the thing about God's word. We don't bring meaning to it. God said something in the Bible. This is his message to us, his letter to us. That he's written for us to reveal himself and who he is. And we don't bring meaning to it and change it. Our job is to find out what God has said to us. Does that make sense? So that's the difference. We don't bring meaning to it. It's not a mosaic. It's a picture. And it's a puzzle. And it's been put together. And the pieces, as we see with the boys got to go in the right place where God intended them to be. And if we leave them out, we don't see the picture in its entirety. There's something missing. So it does us, because of that, it does us so much good to look at the story of Jesus as a whole. Because what's true about the Old Testament is also true about the New Testament. So we're going to look at John 3.16, and that's our theme verse. It says, what, you guys know it? Let's say it. One, two, three. For God so loved the that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Man, that is a powerful verse. It's the gospel right there. The good news of Jesus. So what does it mean? What does it mean that God loved the whole world? Or or that the Father gave his Son? Man, we, we can get so much more depth and understanding of that if we look at the whole Bible and the story in, in, in its entirety, specifically in regards to Jesus, we look at him in the Old Testament. Because if we were ever to focus only on Jesus in the New Testament, man, we can we can understand who he is. We, we'll get and learn who Jesus is just by reading the New Testament. But just like me, I told you a little bit about myself, right? I told you I was a pastor. So maybe you're sitting there going, okay, he's got some credibility talking about the Bible, the guy pastor. And then I told you I have kids. I have a junior high daughter. So maybe you're sitting there going, okay, he's got a junior high daughter, and, 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 and maybe he understands me and where I'm coming from and where I'm at in my life. So the more you know about me, the, the more you can appreciate and understand me, just like you. I've got some of your favorite foods and themes, and there's someone I'm going to be praying out there that likes to see. Oh, wait, they won, didn't they? Yeah, all right. All right. But you see what I'm saying? We can know and understand and so much more, our depth of understanding of who Jesus is, when we see the entire whole picture and understanding, and we see Jesus from beginning to end in the Bible. So here's what Jesus is not. Here's what he's not. He is not this all-star ringer of a player that the coach puts in in the fourth quarter of the game to do this amazing game-winning play that we would call the cross. That, that's not who Jesus is. Jesus has been in the game since the beginning 
since before the game clock started ticking, since before our creation, Jesus has been the, the, the quarterback that's been driving the team down the field, headed towards the cross. It's been Jesus that's been driving that. He's been in it the whole time. Since the beginning of our creation, Jesus has been that driving force leading to his own, to his own death, his burial, and resurrection. God has always been a triune God because there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And he's always operated that way. He didn't just start operating that the day that Jesus was incarnated as a baby and was born on this earth. And we need to look, when we look closely at the pages of the Old Testament, we'll see Jesus on every page. And, and we see Jesus, we have, see these symbols or these patterns of Jesus in the Old Testament. We also see that Jesus has promised him coming, the Messiah, our Savior. Jesus has been promised by God throughout the Old Testament. And we see that Jesus is present and at work in the Old Testament. And these are important things because, because patterns, they show intention, they show character, promise shows faithfulness and, and, and Christ's presence in the Old Testament shows his sovereignty or his control and his power and, and, and his love as God the Son in the Trinity. If we were to look at the Old Testament as a whole, we would see that the Old Testament is Jesus shaped. We find these we patterns are, are, are we see them in these things that are called covenants. And these covenants in the Bible, they're, they're the things that they're, they're the backbone of the, of the story of the Bible, God's Word. They're the backbone of the story. And the word covenant might be new to you. So let me explain to you what, what a covenant is. A, a covenant is agreement between two parties, and, and all the parties involved have responsibilities uh, to the other in the covenant. They make these promises to one another. A, a covenant defines a relationship. You, you have the other's best in mind. In fact, my wife and I, we're in a, a covenant with each other, and we're in a covenant with God. We've made promises to God about each other, and we made promises to each other when we stood up there and we got married 18 years ago. And here's, here's the thing. A covenant is not a contract. You guys know what a contract is? Here's the terms of our agreement and sign on the bottom line, okay? A covenant is not. Here's a favorite saying about um, covenants and contracts by a guy named Trent Hunter. It says, contracts involve a relationship for the sake of obligation." Covenants involve obligations for the sake of relationships. So I have a relationship with Comcast. You guys know what Comcast is, Xfinity? I have, a I, have a, I have a relationship with Comcast only because I have a contract with them. The only reason I have a relationship with them is because when I pay them money, they give me internet. Okay? And then when they give me internet, I pay them money. That, that's the whole reason I have a relationship with them is because of our obligations. But I have, a, I have a covenant with my wife where we have obligations because of our relationship. Does that make sense? So that we can live in a healthy relationship, we have promises that we've made that we're going to do for each other because of our relationship. And if we act and live within those promises and within those covenant promises and we're in this covenant relationship, then, man, it's going to be healthy and it's going to go well. But if we go outside those boundaries... That broken relationship. That's what happened with us people. First covenant made with, with God and man was this guy named Adam. First super important guy, first fruit. Then we sinned. We went outside the boundaries and the promises. And he sinned, and that the relation with God was broken. But here's the cool thing about covenant 
contracts hit you, you blew your part of the contract, I'm out. But a covenant gets restored, gets repaired, you get redeemed. And we can come back into this covenant relationship again. And that's what God has done all through the Old Testament into the New. He's pursued us through these covenants because they're relationships. And God is a God of relationships. And who does he desire to enter in a relationship with? Us! Isn't that amazing? It's amazing that God, our creator God, would want to be in a relationship with us. That just always blows my mind. But you want to know why he pursues us so much? This is why. Because scripture tells us in Genesis that we are made in the image of God. If you don't know that today, let that blow your mind. You're made in the image of God. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. We can reason. We can love. We have freedom to choose. We can show mercy, compassion. We've got intellect. We are the image bearers of the Almighty. Therefore, you're special. You're special. You're not created randomly. You know, you never looked a random person in the eye. They don't exist. All of you were created on purpose by a purposeful creator. And he loves you and is pursuing relationship with you. You were created intentionally. And he has a plan for you. A relationship with you. your purpose, my purpose is to live a life of worship to God, to live a life that reveals God's glory. Our one purpose is to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. That is our purpose. God is pursuing a relationship with his people since he created Since he created humankind, he's been pursuing a relationship with us in these covenants. God to his people of Israel way back when they were in Egypt. It says, Exodus 6, 7 says, I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And he has said the same thing to us today. He enters into a relationship with us in these covenants like we've been learning. And, and God makes a series of covenants with different people, and but all of these focus on God's redemption of the fallen human race. Those who we've got a broken relationship with God, every one of these covenants, they focus on pulling us back, living under being friends with God, being redeemed, living in a relationship with Him again. And when I was younger, I wouldn't call myself emotionally healthy when it came to girls. Because when a girl that I may was interested in, and I'm talking, this is in my, my when I was like 19, 20, 21, I've grown up a little since then. But man, when there's a girl that I kind of like, ooh, she's kind of cool, and then she showed, she showed interest in me, I don't know what happened to me. I would go over the top. I would become a different person. I'd be like, hey, you're pretty. That's, that's how I felt, you know? In fact, and then the girl usually said, okay, you're weird. But I would go over the top, and I would blow it. I would blow it. She's like showing signs that she want to enter into this relationship. And I would every time I would blow it, there's this one girl that I liked for a really long time. I had this super puppy dog crush on her. And I would, I forget, I was like 20. And she finally, she, she said, yeah, you're a cool guy. I'd go out on a date with you. First date, first date. 
now I've changed as a pastor. I'm like, don't date someone unless you've been through their marriage, okay? All their discussions. But it was funny. I went on this first date with this girl, and I showed up in a horse-drawn carriage. Rented a horse-drawn carriage, went to a fancy dinner, had flowers, scared the snot out of her. She was like, oh, what's date number two? And there was no date number two. Surprise! Scared her half to death. I blew it. I blew it. And humans throughout our history, we've been doing the same thing with God. He would establish this covenant relationship with us where he promised to be our God, and we promised that he was our God, and we would do things, and he would do things, and we'd live in this relationship. And God always kept his promises, but we always failed. Because all of them messed up because the people we, we operated outside of the covenant we had with God from Adam and the first sin to Noah, Abraham, David. All of these were imperfect because we're imperfect. None of those could be eternal. We would turn from God and we would do stupid stuff. And the, the people of Israel in the Old Testament, they'd be living, they were God, God you're, our, you're my people and I'm your God. And, and, and they had this covenant relationship and they were they needed God and they loved him and they worshipped him until things were going well and time and time again they would forget about God and they would worship false gods and false idols and they would do stupid stuff and we do the same thing today but we're going to talk here in a little bit about something that changed it all they were imperfect because we who are imperfect are the main players all the Old Testament covenants, all those relationships, as you learn about them, as you grow, and read God's Word, they all point to one that would be eternal. Every single one of them points to one that would be eternal. A relationship where the redeemed are forgiven of our sins because we put our faith in Jesus and Jesus alone, and we're covered by the blood of our Savior. In these covenant relationships in the Old Testament between God and people, we see things that, that pattern Christ. God, God, uh, God did this. He did this patterns of Jesus, where we can see Jesus in the Old Testament to point ahead to a Savior that was coming. And, and his new revelation to us was coming, and it was Jesus. So when we look in the Old Testament, we see things that pattern him. Like one is through these epic events. You guys, have you ever read the Old, Old Testament? And there's battles, and there's wars, and there's floods. There's these epic events. And one of them that really is obvious to me that shows a pattern of Jesus is Passover. And that's when God's people were enslaved in Egypt. And Moses, you guys hear Moses? He goes and God sends him to set his people free. And so he gets there and, and, and he's doing all these plagues and everything, saying, Pharaoh, let my people go. Finally, the last one, because Pharaoh's being stubborn. They're going to kill the firstborn in every household. Unless he puts the lamb's blood on the doorway. And when the spirit comes by, death will not visit that home. And that's the pattern of Christ. When we're covered in the blood of the perfect lamb, Jesus, death passes us by. It's not for us. We might die physically, but spiritually, we're, we, are, we are promised eternal life in heaven. We get to experience life and not death. That shows Jesus, King. 
pattern Jesus in the Old Testament. Priests, the whole system of priests, they would go and do sacrifices of, of animals on, on people's behalf, and they would take people's sins, and they would do this thing of placing their sin upon the animal, because sin, the Bible tells us, the wages of sin that we earn is death. their death. And then we see that Jesus, he's the new, the perfect, the eternal high priest. Hebrews 9, 11 through 16 says, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, and then through the greater and more perfect tent, that's not made with hands, that is not of this creation. Jesus was not created. He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Skip to verse 15. It says, Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant through Jesus. We're going to talk about more about this tomorrow. There's a new relationship we can have with God. Says, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Then there's people. There's people in the Old Testament that, that pattern, that are Christ. One of them is, is Adam. And there are other people that they would say was Adam-like. They would say that Jesus was the last Adam. Because Jesus, God, God started a covenant with Adam. But then the final covenant is made through Jesus. There's no need because Jesus, of his eternal nature, that he's God. It's done through him. We'll talk more about this later uh, tomorrow. But it says in God's word there, it says that because Adam, because one man sinned, okay, don't, don't freak out or just roll with it, okay? So, because one man sinned, Adam sinned. Sin is everything we do. I was going to tell you this earlier. Sin is everything we do that is in contrast to what God has revealed to us of how we should live. It's an archery term. Whereas if we had a bow and arrow and we shot at a target and we missed the target, that's called a sin. And our target is God. Our target is, is, is holiness, is perfection. And we can't do that. Because we inherited, because Adam sinned, now, one man's transgression, all humankind is born with that transgression. And we've got sin in our life. So because one Adam, all, see what I'm saying? It's not just Adam's problem now. It's inherited into us, and that sin goes to everybody. But then Jesus came along as the final Adam. The final covenant is done through him. And Jesus paid the price for us, and he shed his sin, his blood, and he's covered our sins because remember we said the animal sacrifice, life for a life? Jesus took our place and he covered our sins with his shed blood, his perfect blood. And then when we put our faith and trust in him and we repent and ask forgiveness, that sin and that guilt is removed from us. And instead, we are pure. We are not guilty. We get to stand before God righteous. Righteous, no longer sin. You see what I'm saying? Because of, the Bible says that, because of one man's wrong, his transgression, we all get it. But here's the cool thing. It also says in Romans, we're going to skip to Romans 5, verse 18. Therefore, one trespass led to condemnation for all men. So one act of righteousness, which Jesus did, leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. 
And I don't know about you, but I want to accept that that, that gift from Jesus. And we're going to talk about it more tomorrow. But what Adam represented was carried on and reinforced throughout the Bible. And each one of them, God's people, the Bible, were asking this question. When will God promise to save us through the Spirit? Who's going to do it? Who's going to save us? And we see this progressing to the last Adam, Jesus. That he's greater than all those who preceded him. The second Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God, find their yes in him. And that's why it's through him that we utter our amen to, to God for his glory. God's promises find their fulfillment in Christ. All the promises that he promised are all answered in yes. They're all fulfilled in him. So Jesus was promised all throughout the Old Testament by prophecy of foretelling what's yet to come. 300, over 300 prophecies Jesus fulfilled when he lived on this the first one was made by God himself when he's talking to Satan, when he was in that snake with Adam and Eve. It was found in Genesis, and he says, you, you, you bruise his head, his heel, he'll bruise your head. He says, I'm going to send a, a savior, and he's going he's to destroy death. He's going to have victory over death, and Satan, you're going to be destroyed. Jesus fulfilled that. And in the Old Testament, now, some people, they, they kind of go, wait a second, Jesus was present, like he was there in the Old Testament. Some people have some different opinions on, on this thing. But I'm going to tell you, in 1 Corinthians, it mentions this. And this is the whole reason I, I don't want to go far in the weeds on this. But in 1 Corinthians, it says, For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. And then in Jude 5, there's a reference that says, Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, he saved the people out of the land of Egypt. That's referring to Jesus in the Old Testament. And here's what I want to say with this. Because you don't see the name Jesus. He wasn't the incarnated baby. He wasn't God, man, and, and God, fully God, like he was in the New Testament. But here's what I want you to take away with this. Is that the Son of God, in his eternal, divine nature, was active and at work in the world from the beginning of creation. And he was the driving force to his own death, burial, and resurrection. In God's story of the Bible, Jesus is the hero. And I'm going to end with this. All of this, this Bible, this is an amazing thing. It's God's revelation he gave to us of who he is. It tells a redemptive story how he pursues us because he loves us and he wants to live in relationship. And this whole Old Testament that sometimes people disregard, it just drifts page after page with telling us about Jesus. He's been forever. He is powerful God. But that's a nice story. Unless you do one thing. It's just a nice story. You recognize who God is. You recognize who you are. God is holy, holy, holy. The Lord God Almighty. There's nothing out there like God. He's holy. He's separate. He's set apart. He transcends all our space and time. He's not remotely a human. God is truth. And then there's us. Fallen. Not how he intended us to be created. We've done wrong. You know what sin is? Saying, God, I'm going to choose to do this different than you said. I know better than you. I'm going to live the way I think I should. Being God for yourself. We recognize who God is and who we are. He's like, we deserve death. But God offers us 
pursuing us because he wants to save us and offer us salvation, then this changes from a good, kind of cool story to good news. Something to celebrate, to something to live by, to something to, to be authority under. That's what it is. Because we see Jesus from cover to cover. And I can't wait till tomorrow to carry on this conversation with you when we get into the New Testament. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We pray that we understand, we walk away tonight understanding that you chase after us. That you want a relationship with us, God. You want a relationship with us. Even when we do dumb stuff and we've fallen out of this relationship, you redeem. You restore. You offer a way. And it's through Jesus. Father, Jesus, it means so much more to me knowing that you're God eternal, that you've always existed, but yet you chose to come from heaven on high in glory to walk this earth and to die for my sin. Understanding that and who you truly are, that you are God, that you weren't created at the, at the moment of your birth, that you've been reigning for, for all of, of time before we created. Lord God, that, helped, that, that makes me want to just worship you even more. That makes the sacrifice that you did for me even greater in my mind and my heart. And I pray that everyone here would walk away understanding that. Father, we love you, we trust you, we 